I'm safe and secure from all alarm. Oh, I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Leaning on the everlasting arms Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day Leaning on the everlasting arms Oh, I am leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms Oh yes, I'm leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning I'm leaning on the everlasting arms What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace With my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Oh yes, I'm leaning, leaning and secure from all alarms Oh, leaning, leaning I'm leaning on the everlasting arms Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. You know, I was just thinking of that, that last verse there. We're entering into a season that that the world focuses primarily on joy and peace and, and seasons, greetings and all of this. But I love this verse that says, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Amen. We know someone that gives us that joy and that peace all year long. I'd like to sing that verse one more time. It just really, really resonates with me. What have I to dread? What have I to... That's deep. That's deep. Oh, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, I'm leaning... Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning I'm leaning 
on the everlasting arms. One more time. Oh, yes, I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Oh, now greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Satan's like a roaring lion. Roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, the Bible tells me so. And many souls have been his prey to fall in some weak hour. Oh, but God has given us today His overcoming power. Oh, and greater is He that is in me. Greater is He that is in me. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Let's sing that first one again. Satan's like a roaring lion roaming to and fro seeking whom he may devour the Bible tells me so many souls have been his prey to fall in some weak hour but God has given us today his overcoming power oh and greater is he that is in me greater is he that is in me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. One more time. Oh, and greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the I just feel like singing about His greatness this morning. I don't ever come up here with a specific theme or sometimes I have a list and sometimes I don't. And I had a list this morning, but I'm not really sticking to it much. I don't know. When I just get to thinking about the goodness of God and what all He's done for me, Brother John, I can't help but sing about it. I'm so unworthy, but He still loved me. He didn't throw away that broken clay. I'm so thankful. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty 
Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice. And trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God And all will see how great, how great is our God Age to age He stands And time is in His hands Beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The bride and Christ are one, uniting time. Hallelujah! Soon we're going home, soon we're going home. How great is our God! Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, who is He this morning? Oh, He's the name above. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Oh, just sing that out to him again. Oh, he's the name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing how great. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great You are, Lord. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. 
Let's sing that chorus again to him now. them too and uh, I've seen I've seen the Lord touch animals many times and I would just uh, she's a special little pup to us and I'd just like to ask you to remember her in your prayers we want to remember the Whitlocks as they're traveling to uh, Florida they have certainly been through a lot the last little bit and we just ask for the Lord to give them safe traveling mercies down there and I want to remember Sister Becky, who is uh, not feeling well. She's uh, sick at home. Also, we want to uh, remember uh, Sister Karen Buchanan. Uh, she's at home. She does have uh, COVID, so we want to remember her in prayer also. I know there's many unspoken needs among us. Amen. We're a needy people. We have lots of needs. But we've just sung this morning about how great he is. And he's so great that he's concerned about you. And I assure you, saints, if it matters to you, it matters to him. Because you were made in his likeness. So just approach him with that faith that he's already got the answer for you. Amen. Do you believe that? And I'd like to ask Brother Bill if he would come and just uh, lead us to the Lord in prayer this morning. It's good to have Brother Bill with us. God bless you, Brother please precious lord we bring these requests to you and ask you to honor them lord by our faith we trust in you lord to provide our very needs and we also ask you lord to just be with us present today in our hearts and our minds and just feed feed us with your spirit lord feed us with your word as our minister comes forth and brings the word speak through him lord and we just glorify you lord and honor you and praise you for all that you are and living in this world of spiritual darkness and we are the speck of light lord shining and we just praise you and love you and honor you in jesus precious name amen god bless you saints you may be seated as you're being seated this morning let's sing that that old song i have decided to follow jesus I have decided 
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. This whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back, I won't turn back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, one more time. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap of praise. I know this road, it gets rough and rocky down here, and but we know what lies ahead. And and I've done and come too far to turn back. I want to ask uh, Mitchell and Ashley if they'd come up at this time. I don't have any specials, but I'm going to put them on the spot. I like to do that anyway. Um, last weekend, uh, they'd had a, a memorial singing for... Uh, brother Larry Pruitt and we had been asked to uh, to go and unfortunately uh, I wasn't in to where I could go and uh, uh, many of you know Brother Larry's he was a member here for from the beginning of the church and and left us way too soon but uh, he was just uh, he was a, a dear friend of mine and uh, he loved Southern Gospel more than than I do and that says a lot. Uh, but this was his favorite song, and um, he had uh, always wanted this song sung at his funeral. And uh, unfortunately, when he passed the COVID, we didn't get to really have a, a good funeral for him. But I'd like to do this song um, in uh, memory of Brother Larry this morning. If he can peek down off, down over the uh, the uh, the portals there and, and see us, I'd like to sing this for him because it sure is good to be on this glory road. Thank you. 
road you're traveling dark, deserted, or dear? Is there hope for tomorrow? Put your trust in Him. I stumbled on my way. Praise the Lord, I'll soon be leaving. Land of perfect peace and endless day. come at this time. I just love this chorus. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. 
something to say. God has always something special for us whenever uh, his people gather together. So beginning this morning, uh, the very first thing, let's have a word of prayer and uh, let's just invite his presence to be with us today. I want you to keep your need upon your heart, keep it close and believe that no matter how insignificant you may feel, your need is important to God. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence this morning because we know, Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the God of all the universe. You created it all. You control it all. And Lord, one day you will have it all back the way that you envisioned in the beginning. We believe, Lord Jesus, that we, by your grace, will be with you, standing by your side 
during that time. The great millennial reign and the new heavens and new earth. Lord, just to think about how we will be participants, will be residents, wives of the King. Sometimes, Lord, is just too, absolutely too great for us to imagine. But we want to say this morning, we love you and we're thankful. We've mentioned names and situations, Lord, this morning and brought them before you already in prayer. And we do it again, Lord, this morning, asking that you would be gracious and minister, Lord, to your people. You're still a healer today, the same as you ever were. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit every need in your hands now. And Lord, we are here today and gathered in your name, and I pray that you would move among us today, Lord, and touch those that need your touch today. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon my wife especially, and Lord, we know that you are a God who is not intimidated by distance or time. There's no circumstance that's too great for you. And so, Lord Jesus, we confidently come to you in prayer and ask that you would just move, Lord, on behalf of your people today. And Lord, anoint my lips, my thoughts, O oh God, and just take complete control, I pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. And all God's people said, one more time, you're awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome Bibles while you're standing this morning. I've got a couple of announcements, but I'd like to uh, use the scripture first of all in Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to be reading a little passage here, a very positive passage. And I just always am inspired by this one. Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to begin at verse 28. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Say amen when you got it. Say this, I love my Bible. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Amen. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Amen. Even the youth, youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God at his blessing, you may be seated this morning. Good to have all of you with us today. And... Uh, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you coming today. Now, uh, I want to get a couple of things here uh, publicly stated. Number one is that uh, we want to remember Brother Tim Ashong. Brother Tim is uh, recovering, 
and uh, doing well. Uh, he's uh, uh, going to be planning, Lord willing. We're going to hope to get him to Jamaica f- so he can renew his visa. And that will be happening, I think, not uh, next Sunday, but but near the one after that. So we're in this time crunch, crunch in the month of December in order to get that done. So if you don't mind remembering that. Now, here is something that uh, I need to remind you of. Brother... Uh, Tim and his wife are staying at Brother Daniel's house, Brother Daniel's in Ghana. There's an old address that was circulating around in previous directories for Brother Daniel's house. He moved. And so you need to be sure you have the newer one because the, the person who bought Brother Daniel's house really appreciates all the gift cards that were sent to him. And unfortunately, he's not willing to give them back. They're not for him. So if you mail something to the old address, you've, you have made an anonymous gift to somebody who's not cooperating with us. And so double check, make sure that we've got the right address if you're, if you're going to mail something to Brother Tim. Um, and uh, we, we've been uh, staying in contact with Brother Tim, but uh, I just wanted to caution you about that. So they really are... Honored, they're really flattered that uh, you know people in the church have have ministered to them so well. Uh, but just double check if you don't mind before you mail something down to Brother Tim. Um, <clears throat> also, as well, uh, we are glad this morning and honored to have Brother Jason, Sister Amy Ashdown uh, here, all the way from Idaho. God bless you both. Good to have you here today. Uh, they're going to be moving uh, here, uh, rented a house. Are we confirmed? We're still. Uh, we've signed, but uh, s- sort of. But uh, we're just praying that the Lord will uh, allow all of that to go through, and uh, they're going to be uh, returning home in a couple of days and then packing up tomorrow and then packing up and, and moving back down. So they're going to be working with Brother Ben's company, and uh, we'd ask you to keep their move in prayer, and uh, we're uh, going to be standing by when you pull in, and we'll certainly help and do what we can to uh, assist you in the process. Um, they, uh, I wanted to also introduce, uh, brother Michael and, uh, where's brother Michael? Is he here? Um, Michael Shadell. There he is in the back, in the very back. Raise your hand again, brother Michael. And, uh, brother Michael kind of slides in, slides out. And, uh, we don't often get a chance to acknowledge him, but, uh, brother Michael has been, he, as a matter of fact, he brought brother Tim Ashong here years ago from brother Tim Hume's church. And uh, now he's, uh, you know, just pulled in with us. And Brother Michael, we're honored to have you. And uh, may God bless you. And you are certainly welcome uh, among us. And so may God bless you. Now, uh, we have a couple of uh, anniversaries here. Joel and and Crystal Johnson on December 7th, right? How many years? 31. 31 years. Have a special feeling for the Johnsons here. And December 10th is Sister Hannah Harwell's birthday. Sister Hannah I'm not going to ask you how old you are. Brother John Anthony will tell us later. <laughs> Josh and Kristen Godwin have their anniversary as well on the 10th of December. Are they uh, in the building this morning? They are, Josh, how many years? Six. Six years. God bless them. We sure, sure do appreciate them. And Joe and Lisa Paschal uh, this morning. We want to re- continue to remember Brother Joe uh, in his uh, uh, 
desire to get uh, his uh, feet treated, and, and uh, it's been a big thing for him because he's not able to drive. And Brother Joe is a, a goer, so that's been a real challenge for him. But we wish them uh, all the best on their anniversary. Now, dates to remember, uh, and here's the official list here, December 4th. Today is the ladies' luncheon, and just looks beautiful over there. We sure appreciate uh, Sister Kristen and Keisha uh, doing a great job over there and setting things up. And that's the one thing, it's the one event in this church I would like to be able to attend, uh, for sure. But it's probably good that I don't. Uh, December 5th, the group leaves for Tanzania tomorrow. Um, Sister Becky is not able to leave with us. She was scheduled to go, but Lord willing, she may be going on Thursday. So uh, if you don't mind keeping that in prayer, but we'll be leaving uh, for Tanzania, and we'll be leaving somewhere, most of us, around noon. We're going from different airports, different places, and then arriving, uh, it'll be Tuesday night uh, around 8 o'clock or so, 8.30. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a little update in just a second here, but that's uh, tomorrow, December 13th. Then we return December 17th. Uh, we have our uh, HBT dinner at 6 p.m., that is our final event uh, for the year. December 25th, we're going to have a morning service. And I realize there's lots of people have family things that are going on. There'll be lots of people traveling. So it, it is an optional service. I mean optional in the sense that uh, if, you, if you're able to come and you're, you're free and you, you would like to, we'll have a regular service at 11 a.m. December 28th, the Winter Youth Retreat begins. January 8th, we'll have a communion service, and save the date, February 18th and 19th. We're going to have a couple's banquet that will be open to uh, everybody uh, as we normally do it. It will be uh, in our fellowship hall, and uh, so we'll, we want you to mark that on your calendar. Also in the month of January, and I don't have the date down specifically, but we're going to have a joy dinner again. And the joy dinner is when our young people get to help out and to serve the joy group. The joy group is just older youth. And we have an age requirement for that group to get in. But the last time we had one, it was just a wonderful event. And we like to honor our seniors. And, uh, and I'll be there too. And so we appreciate, uh, I'll, I'll, we appreciate all of our uh, seniors. And we will uh, announce that date. Now, I just received these as I came out of my office. My phone lit up, and they sent about uh, 30 pictures or so of uh, these are church groups in Nigeria that uh, for the first time received their uh, church age books and different materials in the language of Yoruba. And uh, that's a, a language that's spoke by about, I think, something like uh, 10 million people in that part of the world. And they're very excited to have this material now coming in their own language. So uh, these are just a couple of shots of the believers in different churches in that area. We are leaving tomorrow uh, to visit this place, Loliondo. And a couple of years ago, I had shown you pictures of how um, there was a, a, a young man who's a pastor, and he was a former Maasai native, and he has come into the message and been in the message for a number of years. And uh, I went and interviewed him, and uh, he's just a, a wonderful brother, does a lot of mission work in that part of the Serengeti, and this is the Rift Valley where all the migrations occur of the animals and so forth. And uh, he, went, he had a, a, a burden to go back to his own people 
and to minister to them in a little school building. And uh, one of, there was two of them actually were converted and were baptized for the word among their own people. And as a result, they have a, a group now that uh, assembles there. And this is where we're going to minister to the group. But we are going to uh, do a documentary, Lord willing. We're going to film them, their story, and the community as to how they live. And we're going to uh, pull that together into a, uh, a film that you could watch. And so that's, this, is, this is where we're going. And uh, it's about a seven-hour drive or so from Arusha, the capital where we, not the capital, but the main city where uh, Brother Elias's church is. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's not seven hours in distance, but because the roads are so very bad, it takes us, a, 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 we have to go at a very slow speed in order to get there. And uh, so if you don't mind remembering that trip in prayer, and we are going to try to send you some updates. Uh, we have some uh, excellent technical people who are going with us, and uh, we're hoping to be able to capture lots of uh, footage and lots of images of the people and their story. And uh, these are people who, um, they're very still, uh, Brother Elias was telling me, they're very still culturally attached because they grew up in the, uh, in the Maasai culture, and they're a very, uh, still very much, um, they look like Maasai people. I mean, they, they're very uh, closed in their uh, approach to the outside world. And uh, so it'll be very interesting, but he said they still uh, dress in their traditional outfits and so forth, which is fine. And uh, he, he said they're, um, they're still very much influenced by their uh, culture and their community around them. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to minister to that group for sure. So <clears throat> let's turn our thoughts to the word here this morning. And I want to, um, I wanted to uh, veer a little bit uh, from this particular uh, topic, living above our cares and dealing with the subject of anxiety and so forth that we have. Uh, but I just keep coming back to it, and, and I want to, uh, this, this set of slides actually is fairly lengthy, but I wanted to uh, uh, see how far the Lord will allow us to go today. So just bear with me here as we uh, begin to look into this subject again. Now, <clears throat> we've been talking about some of the solutions uh, for the things that people go through. And uh, it was amazing, in, uh, in the... Um, in the, in the prayer lines of Brother Branham, would you mind, there's a, a document on my printer in here if you, I meant to bring out with me. And uh, I, was, I was just going through prayer lines of Brother Branham, and uh, he, was, he was dealing with a woman who was there, and he said, uh, ma'am, he said, you, you know, you're uh, dealing with nervousness. He said, there's a shadow over you. And many, many times he described the uh, issues they were facing as a shadow when it came to nervousness and anxiety. And he said, but you know what's extraordinary? He said, if I asked for a show of hands in the audience here, he said about 90% of the people would probably raise their hands as having uh, a struggle with the same thing. Thank you. And uh, he said, let's just do it. And he asked for a show of hands. And he said, look, almost every hand in the building is raised. And uh, he said, this is, this is such a very uh, common problem. And uh, I, I believe this, that the... Um, you know, we, we, could, we could say it this way, that the presence of anxiety is, in a sense, uh, it's, it's unavoidable because we live in a very stressful world. And we live in a world that's collapsing. The whole thing is collapsing in, a, in on itself. 
And I will tell you this, and I, I meant to mention it at the beginning. Uh, if there's something that you, you want to watch in relation to world events and things that are changing in our time, uh, it is this whole issue with, uh, with oil and gas prices. And that may not seem like a very interesting thing. However, uh, the Europeans have made a pretty bold step in saying that we're going to cap imports of oil into the European Union at $60 a barrel. That's never been done before. And we're also going to uh, choose to refuse oil that comes from Russia. And uh, that, that, uh, those two things combined together constitute or will cause a shift uh, in not only in production, but also in how revenues are shared uh, among oil-producing nations. Now, oil-producing nations are very, very uh, protective over their income that, that, uh, that, that is derived from the sale of oil. And so that's, I'm just telling you that that's something very, very close uh, that you want to watch and just ke- kind of keep in the back of your mind. I spent about a half hour this morning talking to one of the brothers in Ukraine. I called into Ukraine and I had a, uh, a FaceTime conversation with one of the brothers there. And uh, he was telling me that, and I was asking him, I said, describe your conditions today. Tell me just what, exactly what it's like. And he said, well, he said, we lose our power from about, he said, sometimes 12 hours a day to 24 hours a day. That's all day. And uh, he said it, it, it is difficult. He said it's really challenging because when the power goes out, he said all the pumps for the wells go out, and he said we lose water. So they're without power and they're without water. And he said, I said, what's the average temperature there? And I said in the evenings when, you, uh, when you're in your apartment, you have no power. He said it's about minus three, minus four. That's what it was last night in there. And he said, we live in the warmer side of Ukraine. He said, the other side, like, and in Kiev, in, in places uh, farther east, he said, it's much colder uh, over there. And he said, so a lot of those people, he said, there's been cases of people poisoned because they're lighting fires in their apartment buildings. And uh, the, monox- the carbon monoxide gas gets trapped in there and so forth. There's been several people who died uh, because of that. All I'm saying is that, uh, you know, when you, when you think about stresses that we all face, and I'm not minimizing or trivializing this, the, the difficulties that we face, but, you know, I was just thinking about what, what would it be like? And I wanted him to describe in detail what it's actually like you know, to live in that situation where you never know if your power is going to be on uh, when you wake up in the morning and it's just going to get colder and colder and then you don't know what, uh, you know, what the circumstances are going to be like uh, in, in every passing day. And, uh, you know, you talk about a stressful situation, that would be very difficult, certainly. And we live in a world where that tension exists. And I would like to say this, that the presence of anxiety is, is really unavoidable because that's the world that we live in and God chose us to live in this time. But the prison of anxiety is avoidable. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is avoidable. And I hope and pray that over this last little while, that last couple of services, that uh, you've gotten that message uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the scriptures and the, and the teaching and the things that Brother Bram talked about. All right, let's jump in and let's look at some of the things that, uh, that we know. I'm not going to do much of a review. As a matter of fact, this is it. Diseases and afflictions, Brother Branham says, God didn't intend you to be sick. He didn't create men to be sick. And God made you in his likeness and he wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well 
and Satan's against you. So we have a creator and we have an antagonist. At the same time, we have both. Thank God for eternity because in eternity, one will be taken away. We have a creator who will be our bridegroom and the antagonist will be put away. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's a real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the sufferer from his suffering. I believe that's true. I love that statement. And we know that God in his, in his sovereign way dwelt alone in the very beginning of time and even before time with his attributes. Isn't that right? God had attributes in him. God had attributes or qualities in him that we are learning about as we live in this life. The quality of uh, the attribute of a healer, the attribute of a savior, the attribute of a deliverer, the attribute of a provider, Jehovah Jireh, right? There are seven compound redemptive names, but there's many other facets of God's character that, uh, that, are, uh, uh, that are demonstrated in order to help his people. And we're thankful for that. And Brother Branham, uh, you know, he makes this statement. He said, I'd like to draw that uh, for you just for a minute. He says, now, this here is God, which is the eternal, and there's no one but him. But in God, he had attributes. I don't know if I can make this, uh, make this work. I don't, let, me, let me see if I can do this uh, on, this, on this screen. So this is the way that even Brother Branham described, uh, you know, the, the character of God and how that... Uh, he had he had these attributes that were on display, but he also had to remember that uh, it was not just the ability to heal, but God also had you and I inside of Him uh, that are His attributes as well, right? And He could not fellowship with them until we were expressed. But uh, you know, God could know who we were, uh, put our names on the Lamb's Book of Life. He could even take a photograph, but He couldn't fellowship with us. And we could not worship him until we were born on the earth. And we, uh, we came in, into being. We came into manifestation. And so all of this that we see around us. You know when we talk about the bride of Christ. It's all God uh, dwelling with his attributes. Not only on this earth, but in eternity as well. Now he says in this, uh, just hold your thoughts for a second here. And <clears throat> I want to introduce this to you because this, we're going to come back to this again. But in this great God, Elohim was attributes, and there were attributes in there to be God. And remember, he wasn't God until there were people to worship him because God means an object to worship. So when God dwelt alone, there was nobody to worship him, so he wasn't God. He was the eternal El Elohim, right? Are we okay? And so therefore, he says, there was attributes in him to be God. Attributes to be father, to be son, to be savior. Attributes to be healer. Now, there had to be sickness exist in order for him to demonstrate uh, the quality of healer, right? There had to be people lost in order for him to demonstrate the quality of savior. And so all of these things exist for the glory of God. And all these attributes was in God. And if you've ever got eternal life, you were in God's attributes because you got eternal life. You never received eternal life. You discovered that you have eternal life. There's a big, big difference, right? You never got eternal life at a camp. You can get a wife. At a camp, you can get really good food at a camp. You can, get re- you can enjoy really good services at a camp, but you can't get eternal life. You can become aware that you're a son of God or a daughter of God, but you cannot get eternal life because you always had to have eternal life if you have eternal life. Yeah. I hope you're clear. That's, that's a real fundamental thing that we need to have clear. And Jesus came as a redeemer, and redeem means to bring back to where it started from. You were in God's thinking. 
And so God's uh, plan of redemption and the working of God in your life is to bring you back to original design. To bring you back to originally the way that God intended in the first place. And for you to be uh, sick and defeated and discouraged and nervous and uh, crippled and for you to be struggling is not God's original design. God's original design was that he put Adam on the earth as a steward of the earth. And he was a controller of the earth. And he had, he had authority as the son of God. And he could speak and things would happen. And that's what God's original design was. I believe that God's original design hasn't changed. I believe that he still desires that for sons and daughters of God. How many can say amen? And I believe God's paid the price to bring us back to that. But I believe that one day it'll be fully manifested and we will enjoy that uh, throughout all eternity. But remember, this all matters to us because you're in God's thinking from the beginning. If you were not there, and this is Brother Bram, to me, this is Brother Bram's best teaching on end time evangelism. End time evangelism uh, took a different form in Brother Bram's ministry. He, he brought people to an awareness of what they were at the very beginning. He didn't tell them that it all begins at an altar. He said it all began in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. In the thoughts and attributes of God, that's where it began. And end time evangelism brings, brings people back into awareness that they truly do have eternal life and they are sons and daughters of God. And that's a thing worth rejoicing about, let me tell you. Because this earth can pass away. Everything about this earth can pass away, but, but, but his word will never pass away. His attributes will never pass away. How many are thankful for that? So Brother Branham says in the power of the devil, he said, and the same thing is when you get sick, he said, it's no sign you're immune from sickness, but in every time God is willing to deliver you from that sickness. Let's make sure we under, underline that point. That in every case and in every situation, God is willing to deliver you from that sickness. There's never a time when God says, I don't want to do it. There's never a time when God says, no, uh, they're not worthy enough. I got news for you. None of us are worthy for the grace of God to be extended that way. But he is willing to deliver you from that sickness. Well, Lord, help us to find a key that fits the lock that opens the door. Help us, Lord, to find uh, that right approach to you. Because if God's willing and I'm willing, then, Lord, make it click. Make it happen. And that ought to be our prayer. Every time that you get sick, you go to God and ask him, and he said then he's willing to deliver you. Because, listen now, because there's an atonement, and it's based upon your conduct. In a, no. It's based upon your record. Nope, not at all. Your record is not considered here. Your conduct is not even considered here. Your faith is what's considered. Your faith in that atonement, he said, which is your redemption. And by his stripes we are healed. I'm the God that healed Jesus. And so therefore, it's not based on what you've done or the confidence you have in yourself. It's us placing our faith in the atonement that paid the price, not only for our redemption, but for our healing as well. And he said, that's what we have to make sure that we remember. Because every time you get sick and go to God, he's willing to do it. But he's willing to do it on the basis of the atonement. And that's really important because that takes the emphasis or the load off of you. Because God's not going to heal you because you've, you've uh, faithfully uh, attended church for the last 10 services. Or because you've been faithful in giving your tithes. Hey, that's not what he's looking at. He's looking at your faith in the atonement. You believe that he died on the cross for you. And you're willing to accept that. 
And let me tell you, when he sees that faith in what he did for you, then that healing virtue can flow. And let me tell you, God's willing to do it. And if God's willing to do it, we should be willing to receive it. Now, let me give you another little key here uh, that I don't have this on the screen here, but I, I wanted to uh, show this to you. And I was just uh, flipping through this and, and it's kind of a common expression uh, in Brother Branham's day and Brother Branham's times, not so much in, anymore, but in his way, uh, many, many times, if you look up this phrase, uh, Brother Branham often will use that and he says, uh, you know, uh, get, uh, get beside yourself. And uh, he, he makes a, a saying like that. And uh, in one place, uh, in, in one instance, Brother Branham, and I'm just, I'm just trying to recall it, but Brother Branham talks about uh, the claims that John the Revelator made in the book of Revelation. And he was telling somebody about it. And he said, somebody said to him, oh, get beside yourself, uh, Brother Branham. He said, that couldn't be true. Or the days of miracles has not passed. Oh, get beside yourself, Brother Branham. In other words, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're nuts. That couldn't be true. And that's the phrase that was common in his time. Now, <clears throat> Brother Manum is, is dealing with a woman in a prayer line. And he says to her, you're suffering and something wrong in your heart too. Isn't that right? He says, you have a heart trouble. Not only that, but you have arthritis. Will you obey me as God's prophet? Raise your hand in the air. And he said, and stomp your feet up and down. That's what he told the, the woman. Stomp your feet up and down. And don't never say again anything more about arthritis. But go off the platform, you're healed of arthritis and heart trouble and so forth. God bless you. Why do I say that? Because Brother Branham said, he said, that's the problem you came with. But now you want to disassociate with that problem. And therefore, he said, stomp your feet and say that no more. Sometimes you talk to people and you say, hey, how are you doing? Well, I got, I got it in my back. I got it in my shoulder. And, I, you know, I feel terrible. And I had to go get medicine and everything else. Hey, uh, you know, that, that may be true. That may be the doctor's diagnosis. But Brother Branham says you should always keep your testimony positive. So, yeah, it's okay to say, well, I fell off a cliff. Uh, I was rock climbing and I fell off a cliff. It was 80 feet and I got hurt, got some broken bones and so forth. But God is good. Even though you may not feel like it. Now watch what he says. I, here's another statement here. The message is faith without works is dead. 1950. I think the lady sitting by the side of that man with the checkered shirt on there. Aren't you real nervous, sister? Some kind of a nerve condition? He said, if that's right, raise your hand. Something with the lady just behind you. But I can't tell what it is. And there's this other lady that is calling so hard for this. She's sitting there. So now he's got a little pocket of faith in the audience. And uh, this person right behind them and right next to them. And he said, you're nervous, aren't you, sister? He said, now just go home. You're going to be well. Do you believe me? He said, all right. Don't never say that you're nervous anymore. Go on home and rejoice and have a good time and raise your family for God. And God bless you. So, yeah, that's what you came with. But you know what? Jesus Christ makes you well. And you go home without that. And we go home without confessing that. And he said, he said, now just go on your way and don't never say that you're nervous anymore. Why? Because your confession matters. 
Your confession matters. Your confession is going to make a difference in terms of your faith. And he said, now, a third, third uh, quote here. Jesus on the authority of the word. He said, just believe that the Lord Jesus is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He said, you want to get over that arthritis? Accept your healing and say, I believe God with all my heart. And just go off and say, he said, that you do not have that anymore. And he said, it goes from you. We don't need to own it like our relatives. We don't need to own it like our relatives. You know, your relatives you're kind of stuck with, right? You didn't get a choice and uh, you're related to one another and they're going to be around no matter what you do. But, you know, sicknesses that came upon you are not your relatives. They're not permanent residents. And so therefore, we're going we're gonna to part ways with those things and we're going to let them go and we don't have to confess their presence continually. And remember that God has different ways of healing and the healing uh, avenues that God has really depend on what type you need. Look at the bottom line. God heals by a variety of means, but remember, it depends on what type you need. There are times when you need a doctor and there are times when you need a friend. There are times when you need to stop and get alone with God and create an atmosphere by music and say, Lord, I'm just doing everything I can, just like in the days of David when he played with, for Saul on his harp and created an atmosphere, and in that atmosphere, healing occurred. We find in the, uh, in, in, the, in the book of Samuel there, when David went in and played for Saul, nobody laid hands on Saul, nobody said anything to Saul. It was just a change of the atmosphere. It might be good to turn off social media, and it might be good to turn off uh, other things that you have on. It might be good to close the laptop and just create an atmosphere and just watch the Holy Spirit move in in your life. Hey, that's easier said than done, but I'll tell you what, that atmosphere is something that God enjoys. The right atmosphere is something that God enjoys, and the right Wrong atmosphere is something that God seems to run from. So he says, be sure that the blood is over the lintels of each door of your heart. Be sure that the blood, the token, is applied over the lintels of each door of your heart. There's no denominational barriers. There's no difference. In other words, any, any of you can, can apply this. And know that you're safe under the token. And know that God's presence enjoys that token. Listen to what he says now. Never fail to preach the full gospel from this sanctuary. Always have miracles and signs and wonders and so forth. And he's talking about the dedication of this building. He's visiting a place. And then he prays this prayer. And he says, may the anointed high priest with the oil of opium soothe every broken heart. And may the rose of Sharon with the anointing oil so be preached here and demonstrated here till men from all parts of the country and will come and say, truly God is with you. It, it, is, it is a recognition and an entering into the presence of God. And that's where things happen, folks. That's where, that's where positive things happen. And that's where, that's where healing occurs. But I'll tell you what, there's no, in our, in our world that we live in, in a world that's falling apart, in a world that's filled with potential destruction, in a world that's filled with uh, ominous headlines, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that God's in control. There, I heard a story of a man telling about his father years ago. And uh, he would, every night when everybody was in the bed and he tucked them all in the bed and uh, his wife was gone, he would get up and last, uh, the last thing that he ever did, uh, you know, during their uh, childhood years, he would get up and they had three doors in their house. And uh, he would go around and check each door and, and lock it 
or unlock it and lock it again to make sure that it truly was, was bolted shut. And uh, he would, because they had three doors, a front door, a back door, and a garage door, he would go around and click each one, and the kids could hear that. It was kind of like the thing they had to hear before they actually went to sleep. And uh, when the three clicks were heard, the father would stand in the middle of the house, and he would say, All right, everyone, the house is safe. I'm sure they didn't appreciate that if they were asleep. But he would say, the house is safe. And it was his declaration. And everybody knew then that the doors were checked and everything was safe. I want to say to you this morning, based on what I know about the power of God and the presence of God, that this house is safe. The house of God is safe. And when I say the house of God, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you because you are the building of God. The house is safe. This world is a safe place. Even though nobody says amen, I believe that God is in control. And I believe that nothing happens without that God ordains it. And I believe that nothing's going to happen to you unless God ordains it. And I believe that your, your purpose on this life is not going to be extinguished until God's actually finished with you. You're not going to leave this world prematurely. The devil's not going to slip one over on him and get you, uh, get you into a grave prematurely. Let me tell you something. Even though Satan may cause havoc in the earth, I believe that God's in control and he's not lost control. It may seem like he's lost control. And every headline declares that this thing is not safe at all. But I'm here to tell you, based on the, on the gospel and the authority of the word of God and his presence, that the house of God is a safe place. You're better off being in him than anywhere else in the world. And I would say this, that I'm thankful that my destiny is assured. My destiny is safe. My destiny is already determined. And the time and the purpose of me being here and the, and the thing that God would have me to do and have you to do and the reason we're still here is all under God's control. It's not under Mr. Putin's control. It's not under the government's control. It's not under the church's control. It's under God's control. And we'll be here until God deems it right for us to leave here. Even though the world is tense and the world is filled with all the anxiety that's out there, we as the people of God, we don't have to live in that prison house of anxiety and fear about what's coming. Hey, we are the people who know what's coming. And so therefore, therefore, we don't have to live and, and squat in the valley of fret for the rest of our lives. I believe that God has given us a safe place that we can come to, and that's in him. And when you know him, when you know him, his word sounds different than when you've just been raised in church and you've been around church all your life and you... You, you know about the Bible, you read the promises here, and you hear Brother Bram talk about them and so forth, you hear me recite them. And uh, that's a good thing, and thank God we're able to do that. But I'll tell you what, it's different when you know the author. It's different when you have a relationship with the author and you read his work. It's just different. There was a book that I read years ago, and it was about stress. And it was a, uh, just a very short little book. And, uh, you know, it was just one of the books that was on my, on my shelf. And then I went one time, and I, I wound up in a, in a place where the author of that book was speaking. And I listened to him. And I, I, I'd never thought about who may have written it before. Uh, it was a, I, I knew it was a Christian book, but I, I'd never thought about who had written it. And then I, I went into a, a session, and this man is in there. 
and uh, he's from South Africa. And he was talking, and he was such a humble, gentle, Christian kind of a guy. And he was talking about the reasons why he wrote that book and the things he went through in his own family. And he made that book a very personal expression of his own heart. And I'll tell you what, his name actually was Hart. And he, 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 uh, he, he turned my thinking about that book around 180. And when I went to reread it again, it made more sense to me. It was just so touching because I realized, ah, that's, that's who it is that said that. I know the person who said that. And I know the reasons behind that. Let me give you another example. <clears throat> A little while ago, my wife, who teaches online, she teaches online in different academies. And um, <clears throat> she... Um, she was dealing with some of her uh, students, you know, and assignment deadlines, which is the thing that uh, even if you're online, they still have assignment deadlines. And um, <clears throat> one of her students said, well, our family business requires us to travel a lot. So I may not make all the deadlines, but I'll try to be close. And if I can't make it, I'll let you know. And so over time, she got to conversing with this student and said, well, I'm just curious. What's your family business that causes you to travel? And he said, well, we just go from most weekends we're gone. We're in a different part of the country, and sometimes we're overseas and and so forth. We just um, are on the move a lot. And she was very curious about that. And so finally, in in getting to know these students, she found uh, they were a part of a very well-known Christian singing group. Very well-known. If I mention a name of them, you'd you'd all know who they are. And... uh, She was, she was just kind of surprised. And uh, so they, they were chatting back and forth about that. And finally they said, hey, you know what? They reached out to her and said, we're going to be in your area uh, in a little bit. Why don't you come and we could meet and we could talk together and, uh, you know, just get to meet. We're going to be singing. If you would like to attend that, we can provide tickets. But if, if you'd like to come, we'd like to meet you. And so she said, great. It's all right if I bring my husband. And I said... I'd never been to a Christian uh, singing like that before. I'd never been to one of those big auditoriums where they have the singing. So this is, a, this is a first for me. And, of course, I wondered about my wardrobe and what I'd wear. You know, if I, if I, was, I didn't want to look too 70s, and I didn't want to look, you know, out of my age group. So, but anyway, uh, they, they said, yeah, come to this particular gate and meet right there, and, and uh, then we'll, we'll be out there and meet you and bring you in. And now this group, I, I, I don't think I'd ever heard anything they ever sang. I don't know anything about them. I, didn't, and I, had, I only knew that they were a common household name, but I never knew anything they sang. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, in my car, I don't sing their songs when I'm alone driving down the road. You know, you all do, right? When you're driving down the road, you have something playing. And uh, so, I, I, so I didn't know any of their music at all. And I just had them in the category of Christian singers. And um, so anyway, the night came. We, we went to the uh, concert. We went to the place, and here we were. Uh, they ushered us in, and all these crowds of people who were lined up, and they, usher, they ushered us in, and we got in past it, and everybody's looking. You know that look that they give you when you get ushered in, and they're still in the lineup, right? And uh, so we were going to do this. You know how they have a meet and greet? You can pay an extra bit of money, and you can go in. Brother Ron, you know people pay to get in to meet you, and, and uh, <clears throat> you, you get to go in and have your picture made with them. 
and shake hands with them. And, you know, they take your phone, they take pictures and all that. This is called a meet and greet. So we came in before the meet and greet started. And there was one of the, the, the mother of these students was there. And, and uh, we, were, uh, we were chatting with her in this big room. And, and uh, we're, I, we're just waiting for this to happen. Well, then they brought in all the people who had paid the money to meet these singers and have their picture made with them. And this, this woman here, this uh, lady who was a very wonderful lady, and uh, the, the students, they were, she was standing there. We were talking, making a few pictures and commenting and so forth. And I'm standing there, and people come in, and they recognize her. She's a part of that. And they're looking at me saying, that's that guy. That's probably that guy. And I saw people, they're taking their phones out, and they're taking pictures of me. I, it, it was a great moment, I'll tell you that. <laughs> It was a really great moment for me. Because they weren't sure who I was, but I, I found out later I was actually dressed like some of them, how they would dress. And now, <laughs> that's the miracle of the whole thing. So here we are, and, and we're standing in the room. And then so finally I get to, uh, we, we said, come on this way. So we, we were the first ones to go around the corner. And around the corner, here, here was the group there. And uh, I, I shook hands with all of them, and I was just chatting with them. And then they took our phones and made some pictures. And it was, it was really neat. So then we went on, and the rest of the people came in, and we went on our way. So we went and listened to the music. Now, what was really interesting is that when, when they were singing their music, uh, they had a big screen on the front that had the words on it and had, you know, images and so forth. But what was what was on every single screen that they showed during the whole evening was scripture. They had Bible verses, and some of them were just a reference, and some were printed out. And he, the, the guy who was a singer, he came along and he said, now listen, it's really not important that you remember who I am. It's really not important, really, that you remember what the song is. He said, what I want you to take note of is these scriptures that are on every screen. He said, because that's the thing, if you open your heart to God's word, that's the thing that will minister to you. That's the thing that will give you the most benefit, not knowing me or not uh, remembering this song. But he said, if you'll take note of the scripture, he said, everything that we sing is all about the, the, the scripture of the Bible. And so, therefore, that's the thing that I want you to take home with you. And he was explaining this during the evening. And so, as I was looking at this, I was thinking, wow, that is true. Every single screen has a scripture verse. And uh, I wrote many of them down. I took uh, shots, you know, pictures of the, because I wanted to be young. And I was taking pictures of the screen and looking, and sure enough, every, everything that was, was sung about had a meaning, meaning related to the scripture. Well, we went on our way. But you know what? Whenever I hear on the radio, if, I, if I'm listening to the radio or something that's on, and I hear one of their songs, I, I, it's like all of a sudden the antenna goes up because I remember, ah, that scripture was related to Psalm 37. That, that song had Psalm 37 in it. And it ties me to the scripture. And I thought, wow, what a, now it's different when I listen to that song because I met the author of that song. And it, it means something different to me now because I understand the origin of that, where that actually came from. You didn't know I was famous, did you? And uh, my, my point is this, is that in... In, in going through the things that we go through, and, and all of us go through things, all of us, all of us face 
uh, like Brother Bam asked the audience, you know, how many people struggle with things like that uh, that make them nervous or anxious? And 90% of the people put their hands up. Hey, it's not unusual. It's not a rare thing because of the world that we live in and the circumstances that we face. And also because of the dynamics that occur between people and the things that go on where uh, sometimes you have confidence in people and, you, you know, things can happen that cause you to lose confidence in people. And then there are uh, differences that people have. And hey, hey, listen, we're not the first people on earth to have uh, differences with one another or to run into issues even within your family and family relationships. And jobs change and locations change and health changes and job changes and all the other things that go on. And nowadays, you talk to people, you talk to people who are uh, like doctors or nurses and people who see frontline people who deal with uh, young people today. They say by the time a lot of kids are 25 and 30, they graduate from college, they've had what used to be a lifetime of trauma in their lives. They've had a lifetime of experiences by the time they reach 25. Now, uh, you know, because so many things can happen to people uh, these days and they can go through, uh, you know, different, different circumstances, different uh, shocks in their life, different experiences in their life that change them. And so therefore, uh, you know, there, there's, there's so much of that around there, but the answer is not way out there. And the answer very often is not, uh, you know, in counseling. The, the answer is not always in medicine. The answer is not always uh, some aloof thing that's out there. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth is the thing that will set you free. And I believe it's in knowing Christ and knowing his word. And when you have a relationship with him, it means something different to you than just sitting in church and trying to hear the word. When you know him and you talk to him and you know he's real and you can go to him. And like Brother Branham prays here, may the anointed high priest with oil of the opium soothe every broken heart. When I know he's got my back, when I know that he cares about what goes on in my heart, and when I know that he's concerned about what I'm confused about, And what I'm anxious about, when I know he knows that, then I can go to him, not as just some words on a page, not as just somebody that somebody else talked about, but I can go to him as my Lord and my Savior. And I'll give you a piece of advice. It's always better to go low and not go in with a high hand. It's better to go in humbly before God and say, Lord, I'm coming to you in a, uh, you know, in a, in a simple way. I'm coming to you in a, in a way that if I, if I could fix this problem, I would. But, Lord, I'm depending on you to help me now. I, I, I've, I, I know there are, uh, you know, earthly solutions and earthly potions around. And I know that. And I thank God for that. And we thank God for that. Uh, many of those things God puts uh, on the earth for our benefit. But I'll tell you what, there's times when it seems like, uh, you know, that knot never gets fully untied. And it, it's a great thing for you to be able to go to him and say, Lord, I'm just coming on my knees here and just asking that you would be gracious to me in this situation. And remember, I think it's good to take a big handful of Ephesians 4, or sorry, Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says, be careful for nothing, but by, by, pr- by prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, present your needs to God, right? Remember that? We've talked about Philippians chapter 4 very, uh, very profoundly over the last uh, couple of services. And I think it's important for us to remember that, that we can come to God and come to him with thanksgiving. I was listening to a story about a man who had a a wife, and the wife had Alzheimer's disease, and she had Parkinson's disease. So every day was a struggle. Every day was a battle for her even to get up out of bed. 
And she had enough wits about her that her husband, uh, he was telling this story, that her husband uh, would wake her up every morning and it was time for medication or whatever else. And, and he said, we'd get her up in the morning, sit her up on the edge of the bed, and he'd say, honey, why don't we sing a hymn to start the day? And she said, oh, that's a great idea. Same conversation every morning. And he'd say, what do you want to sing today? What song would you like? What hymn would you like to sing? And she said, every morning, she said the same thing. Count your blessings one by one. And he said, we'd sit there and we'd sing that song all the way through. Count your blessings one by one and thank God for it. And he said, he said, she had an attitude of thankfulness. And I believe that when you maintain that attitude of thankfulness, I believe that when you, when you hold on to that, uh, you know, and, and you, you present your petitions to God and give them to God with supplication and prayer and thanksgiving, you give it to God. I'll tell you what, the, the anxiousness has less of a hold on a person when they're thankful for all of what God's done. Nervousness and anxiousness has less of a hold when we know we've given it to God and placed it in his hands. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had something broken that you needed to bring to the appliance person or the tool person or the mower repair shop? How many of you have ever brought something to the repair shop that it was broken? There's no, there's no penalties taken off if you've had something broken. I know all the repair people in our town by first name, okay, so... How many of you have ever brought something to a repair shop that was broken? Now, I'm not talking about toasters or things like that because those are all disposable items. It's way cheaper to go to Target and buy one for $10 than it is to have it repaired for 100 So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about things you need to have repaired. Now, let me ask you to process, all right? Sorry for being so simple. But when you bring it to the repair shop and you leave it there, uh, do, you, do you stay? You don't bring a sleeping bag? You don't offer to help. You don't say to the guy, hey, listen, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come right in and give me a pair of gloves and I'll come right in and I'll help you out with this. Have you ever done that in a repair shop? No. You know what you do when you give it, bring it to the repair shop? You bring it in, tell the guy what's wrong, get the ticket, off you go. And you leave it with him with absolute confidence that you're going to be able to come back and that thing's going to be fixed. And you know what? It then is not in your hands, it's in his hands. And you're willing to do that. And I say this, I believe a lot of times we will hold on to something and we'll fret about something when you really ought not to do it. You ought to bring it to God and leave it with confidence to him. Leave it on his desk. Leave it on his work table and walk away from it and say, Lord, I trust in your ability to fix this. I trust in your ability to handle this, and I don't need to fret over it now. I don't need to pull up in a sleeping bag here and, uh, uh, you know, watch over your every move here. I don't need to take it back and bring it back to the house and look at its broken state. I can leave it with you in confidence and trust that you have it. And I'll be back at the appointed time. There are some things that are fixed quickly. You know, because you as a, when you tried to fix it at home and you left a part out and the guy will take it apart and look at it and say, it has no carburetor. So we'll put the carburetor back in there and, uh, you know, he pulls the cord, bang, it runs first, first pull, it runs and you feel like a, you know what you feel like. But there are other times when the problems are bigger. 
The time, times when this is going to require a major overhaul. This is going to be something that's a little more in-depth. And we're going to have to really get our hands uh, into this. And we're going to have to, uh, you know, order the parts and have all the, all the stuff here. I mean, every repair is not the same. Isn't that correct? Every repair requires uh, a different kind of an application. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're going uh, to leave that, though. No matter how complex or no matter how simple, we're going to leave it to the repairer because he's the one who knows. And we have enough confidence to bring it to him in the first place so we believe that he knows exactly how to do it. Am I making my point? Do we understand? I can belabor this all morning if you like. But I'll tell you this. The best thing that we can do is have the faith and confidence, not in our own ability, because if we could, we would, but if we can't, we bring it to one who can and we leave it with him and walk away and say, Lord, it's in your hands. And I'm, I'm, I believe with all my heart that you have it in your hand and I'm trusting in that. And I'll be back for the thing that works correctly now. I'll be back for the thing that works correctly. And whatever I need to do, whatever I need to fix within myself, then Lord, help me to have the, the grace to be able to make that adjustment. Here's the message Moses. Now, divine healing died out for a while here a few years ago. And during that time, cancer broke out. Here's Brother Bram looking at the culture. And he says, now, you know, ministries and, and people who prayed for the sick, they slacked off. You know, there was not as much of that, not many campaigns. And during that time, when people were not praying for the sick, he says, cancer broke out, sickness in the church. 80% of the people are sick now. In other words, there was a dramatic increase. Medical science, I salute them. They do great things constantly. They're building infirmaries for the incurable. And there was never, listen, there never was nothing that ever came before our master Jesus, but what he was more than a match for it. And there are no incurables to him. Ah, let me check. Yeah, that's not my words. That's Brother Branham's words. There are no incurables to him. Let's say it together. And no incurables to him. You think you got he's going to live with you forever. Because you feel like, well, it's always been around. Say it with me again. And no incurables to him. Every one of you didn't say it. I was watching your lips. Let's say it again. And no incurables to him. Thanks. No incurables to God. To your doctor? Yeah. To your, to your uh, pastor? Yeah. To your mom and dad? Yeah. But to God? No. There's no incurables to God. All things are possible. We may not understand the steps to get there. We may not understand why it happened. We may not understand the root causes of this thing. But I will tell you what, there are no incurables to God because he's able to go deeper than any one of us. He's able to go deeper uh, than any, any one of us could look for. And so as we, as we have talked about, uh, God is... Uh, you know, God is vitally, intimately uh, watching over us because he's the one who made us. He created us in the first place. Psalm 139, I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Let me read you from the Amplified Version. Watch this. How many of you believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made? That means that your, your eye graph is, is absolutely unique. Your voice graph is absolutely unique. Uh, now, nowadays, when, they, uh, when you go on the airplanes, if you've traveled internationally now, 
and uh, you had your, when you do a check-in and you scan your passport, uh, now you can go up to the gates, not every flight, but when you go up to the gates, uh, they have a camera there. And they say, look here, thank you, and off you go. You don't have to show any ID. You don't have to show anything at all because they have your photograph from your uh, passport already uh, in the system. And so the camera just verifies that you match that, so off you go. You don't have to show anything now. I'm a part of, because of, uh, you know, the way I travel, I'm a part of, uh, what is it? It begins with a G. No, I'm, I'm part of global entry. Um, what is it that? <clears throat> Clear. It, it's a C. It's not a G. It's a C. It didn't have that little hook on it. And so I'm a part of Clear. And Clear, when, when I applied for Clear, and I got it free. They gave it to me free. But when they did it, they took all my uh, prints. And they, t- they scanned my eyes. They listened to my voice. They did all of those uh, scans on me at the beginning when I did it. And so now when I go up to clear uh, a clear kiosk, and they're only in certain airports, but when I go up to them, I just have to stand there. And they say, look into this, look like a set of binoculars, and I look in there, and they say, oh, thank you, sir. And off you go, and they, they escort you, and they bring you right up to the, uh, you know, past all the, you know, the lines. And, and you, you go right up into where you put your luggage on that little belt, and off you go. And it's, it's just really neat. I get it for free, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, my wife always says she's a member, too. And, and she always says, do, do we bring our card? And I said, hold on, you are the card. You don't need a card. You are the card. Your eyes are the card. Your hands are the card. So uh, when they see you, they, that's all they need. They don't need to have any sort of piece of ID like a driver's license. They, I said, you, you are the ID. You are, you, are the, you are the living proof that you are who you are. And so this is the idea here that uh, David is wanting to convey, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody like you. And when you show up, let me tell you, when you show up at the, at the end of the rapture and the change of our bodies, and we get into that place where, uh, you know, it, it's an entry time. If there's a gate, I hope there's a gate, because I've always told you there's a gate. And I, I hope I'm able to stand by that gate and watch all of you come through that gate at the same time. And, and I'll be looking for every one of you. And I believe by God's grace, you'll all be there. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure you're aware of how to get there and what not to do in order to not get there. And that's my whole passion. And that's why I'm still here uh, today. But I will tell you what, if there's a gate and I get to stand by, you will not need to say, uh, I'm, I'm Brother Barry and here's my, here's my ID. You won't have to do that when you get there. You are the living proof of the, of the redemption of the almighty you are the living proof of the cleansing power of the blood of jesus christ and you're the one that has the token on display and he's looking at that token you are your entrance fee you are your your entrance pass you don't have to bring your works you don't have to bring your uh proof of christianity you don't have to bring your bible you don't have to bring anything else except that redeemed glorified person that you are and come through the gates and those scanners already know who you are That scanner knows who you are, and you'll be able to walk in without any hindrance at all. Your fear of your unique. I saw this. I saw this on a film clip that somebody sent me, and I uh, I showed it to the boys the other day. I showed some people were in my office, and I I showed it to them. This little clip about how you could go into uh, now it's new technology that you go into uh, an airport, and I uh, forgive me here, but I, I got suitcases on my mind here. And you just put your uh, boarding pass on the, on the scanner, and you walk up, and there's a humongous screen. If you go through Detroit Airport, humongous screen that's on the wall. And it says, oh, welcome. Welcome aboard today, Barry. 
and says your flight is flight 781. You go to gate uh, 26. It's five minutes away. Thanks for flying today with Delta. And uh, it's, it's all up there on the screen. A great big screen. I mean, the screen is about a story high and, and you know, 100 feet wide. It's just huge. And I'm standing there looking at it. And then the person next to me is looking at the same screen, but they're seeing their name. They can't see my name. They, I'm the only one that can see my name on that screen. But if you're standing right here and right here, you couldn't see my name. You would see your name on the screen if you scanned your pass. It's amazing technology. It's, it's really, it's a little bit spooky. It's, you know, it's a little bit. But I wanted to try it so I could tell my boys. And I had done something that they hadn't done yet. And so uh, I, I, was, I was just, as a matter of fact, I took a picture of it. If you want to see the picture, come to my office after church. But I, I took a picture of it, you know, welcome aboard, Barry. And it was on the screen there. Nobody else could see it. And it's just absolutely amazing. They don't, they, they have a machine somewhere that looks at my body, my body shape, and knows it's me. Huh. You're the guy who met that Christian singer, and you're, you're the guy who, yeah, meet and greet. Yeah. No, no, seriously. I had nothing to do with that. But they, they somehow scan me. And know that that's me looking at it. And if you were standing right here, shoulder to shoulder, or even behind me looking at me, it would not, you would not be able to see what I see. And you'd not be able to uh, have your name up there unless you scanned your past. But I could see mine. It's an incredible technology. And, and like I say, it's, it's so exclusive. You feel like I'm the only one. Because you are. You're the only one. I'm saying all of these silly stories just to remind you that's the language of the Hebrew here. That David says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're individual. God made you. There's nobody else like you. And nobody can see what you see. Nobody can know what you know. Nobody can feel what you feel. You are unique in that. And in another version, this is what it says. I will praise thee for I am fearfully or uniquely and awesomely made. Marvelous are thy works. My substance or my bones, the inside of me, was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my embryo, my beginning. Thine eyes did see, not my eyes, but thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy genealogy, thank God, in thy genealogy, all my members were written or decreed, which in continuance or over a time period were fashioned or preordained when as yet there was none of them. God had my genealogy all worked out even before I was born to my mother. God had the genealogy all stretched out before him. And God could know that, and God could see that, and God could not only see my roots and my origin, but God could see my destiny and my offspring and my future family tree when I was not even born yet on the face of the earth. And that's exactly what those uh, words mean there. God's looking at my embryo, my, my, my beginning, my, the essence of who I am, and going back all the way to the beginning, that embryo, if you like, is in my heavenly Father. It's an attribute that's in God. And he knows all about it. Don't you underestimate God's ability to know what you're going through today. Don't you underestimate God's ability to hear what you're thinking today. If God could know you even before you begin. And he could know your future even before you exist. Let me tell you, God can know exactly what is going on with you in your troubles, in your mind, in your, in your burdens that you carry. God knows exactly what you're, what you're going through. What you need to do is practice, practice 
opening your mind to the fact that God actually is able. Let me take it one step further and say this. Believer, he said, if you've got your joy shoes on, if you're a Christian, truly God's child. If you're a Christian, truly God's child. How many of you are God's children? How many of you are truly born again? He said, your names was written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And he said, in Christ, he said, the sacrifice was sent to buy or redeem that group. And now those he has called is justified. The same God has already made a place in glory for you. Hallelujah. He's already made a place in glory for you. You have another address. You have another place. You have another residence. If you lose this one, you have one over there. If you lose your body through sickness, there's one over there. If you lose your mind through sickness, there's one over there. If you lose your confidence over here, there's, there's confidence over there on the other side. Let me tell you, God's already made a place for you in glory on the other side. He knows about what you're going through. Everybody's not in that place. God's place of safety. When we're in here, we have a right to the healing power of God. When we're in this place, when we're in this unity with God, when we realize that we are the sons and daughters of God and we have our names on the Lamb's Book of Life, then we have a right to the healing power of God. And there is healing powers. Just like I said, there's, real, there's a real Holy Spirit and the power to heal. And when Christians get sick, there's no need of all being steamed up about it. When Christians get sick, I've watched people get sick. I've watched sinners. I've watched people in the world. I've watched people in my family get sick. I've watched them die. I've watched a lot of people go through a lot of different things. But when Christians get the same news, I've told you before about my mother when they told her she had pancreatic cancer. She sat in the doctor's office. She'd never been sick really a day in her life. And uh, she used to eat oat bran all the time because of what she thought was cholesterol, and it really wasn't. But she came to the place where she had the swelling and this little issue going on, and uh, she was in her 70s, and she, it was so uncomfortable. It got uncomfortable a couple of days. She knew this was odd, went to the doctor. doctor did some tests. Then he said, uh, we need to do a few more tests, which always scares the gizzard out of most of us. And she went in and sat down with the doctor in his office. And I wasn't there. I was on my way there, but I wasn't there. And he looked at her and he said, Mrs. Coffey said, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but you have pancreatic cancer. Generally, generally, when they find pancreatic cancer, it's generally too late uh, to really do anything about it. And they said, we've, we found you have uh, pancreatic cancer in an advanced stage. And he said, you only have, according to our estimates, two months to live. Now, she'd been healthy all of her life. And it's, he told her, he said, you only have two months to live. And he said, as a result of that, he said, we're not going to treat you. Our decision is that we're not going to treat you. He says, we're going to let you enjoy the quality of life for two more months and spend it with your family. And uh, he says, I'm so sorry to have to tell you the news. I said, Mom, what did, you, what did you do when he told you that? What did you say? How did you respond to that? As a believer, I said as a believer, what, I know what you would do as a Catholic. You'd go like candles and you'd go start buying mass cards for masses to be said after you're dead. And I, I said, but as a believer, I said, what did you do when the doctor told you that? She said, nothing. I said, what do you mean? She said, it didn't scare me. It didn't bother me. She said, I took it as news, like all other news that you get, something you didn't know, now you know. Now you know what's going on. Now I've reached my time. This is what I live for. 
This is what I believed in. And when my time is up, you know what? God's going to escort me to the place that I belong. And I said, really? She said, really? And I thought to myself, and I've often prayed, that if I got to go, I'd like to go like that. I'd like to go with that confession. I'd like to go with that testimony. And in the last of her days, when she was able to think clear, the last of her days, I'd sit on her bed and I'd just, I'd say, what do, you, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? And she said, read my Bible. She'd take her Bible. And I, I have her Bible. And one time she was, she dropped her Bible in the bathtub. I shouldn't be telling you this, but she dropped her Bible in the bathtub. And she loved her Bible so much that, you know, it got wet and it expanded and it got all puffy. And she took her Bible and laid out every single page like this in her Bible and ironed it to try to get it flat again. She loved her Bible so much. And I have that Bible. It's a very special treasure to me. And she laid it, she laid, had her Bible with her and by her bedside she gave it to me. And I said, all right. I said, I'll read. What do you want me to read? I said, I'll read anywhere you want. She said, Philippians chapter 4. I said, if you'd read that for me. She said, you can start at chapter 1, verse 1 if you like. But she said, I like the whole book of Philippians. And I'd read it to her over and over again. And she'd just close her eyes and she'd just listen to it. And she just enjoyed it so much. Because to her, it was, it was something that really spoke to her heart. It was meaningful to her. And I think it was meaningful because she knew the author. Now, let me tell you a little story. <clears throat> Brother Branham had a great respect for Paul Rader. He lived in Chicago. He died during Brother Branham's time. And he was a great minister and well-known in his time. And he was um, telling the story of how that he was a he was a big fellow, and his brother Mark. He was, they were big fellows, and they they were uh, at one point they were loggers, lumbermen, and they were out in the backwoods somewhere in the states. They were out one of the western states, and they were out there. And Paul Rader contracted a disease, and I, was, I don't remember the um, it was one of the ser- more serious diseases that would have caused him to die. And he was at this camp way out in the boonies and before they had cell phones and so forth and way out there. And his wife related this story and Paul Rader told this story many times. And uh, he said that uh, when he had this disease, he would become delirious. And in his state of delirium, uh, he would be wrestling with these trees and great trees that he would chop down and then he would have to try to move them. And he, you know, he'd try to even pick them up in a dream. And it was, it was really painful and really difficult. He could not do it. He couldn't, he couldn't figure out, how am I going to get this tree to the mill? How am I going to get it to the place where they need it? And so he's going through this in his dreams. He'd, re- he'd dreamed this over and over again. He said, finally, when he was practically out of his mind, he said he had the same dream again. And in the dream, a man came to him. And he said, Paul, he said, you have the tree in your possession. He said, but I'll tell you what, there's a river right next to you. And why don't you take that tree and just roll it down the little hill and let it fall in the creek. And that river actually runs all the way down to the camp 
where they take the trees and process them. They cut them up down there at the end of at the bottom of the hill where the little sawmill is, and that's where your camp is and so forth. All you need to do is put that in that river and let it ride on the current, ride on the riffles, what he said, and let it go all the way down. And it'll find its way. It'll, it'll be there. It, this river only runs one place. So let that log just flow down that all the way down, and it'll get there, and they'll pick it out when it comes to the bottom. Brother Bram said in this message, Uncertain Sound, in 1961, he said, so Paul Rader threw that log, threw it in the river, and he jumped on it. In his dream, he jumped on that log. And when he did, he screamed out and said, I'm riding on it, I'm riding on it. And he came to, and he was standing in the middle of his floor. And he was screaming, and he said, I'm riding on it, I'm riding on it. The promise of God. Tonight, brother, he said, there's nothing uncertain about God's word. I'm riding on it. Brother Ram said, I'm riding on it. And it'll bring me to the camp someday. I don't know how many riffles I'll have to cross. But I'm riding on it. Praise be to God. It's a God, it's God promise. It's a certain sound. It's his voice. Heavens and earth will pass away. He promised these things in the last day. And I believe it's here. I glean from that. The Brother Brandon was saying that we're going to come to a time when it's not going to be within your power, really, to rescue yourself. It's not going to be within your own power to get done what you know needs to be done. It's not going to be within your power to change your body or get yourself out of here. There's absolutely no way you can make that happen. But God, by his grace, places resources real close to us that if we'll use them, it'll get you to where you need to go. You just need to ride on it. You need to, you need to position yourself on the thing that'll get you right to the camp. Because God's word is true. I read in the message where Brother Branham said, you follow this word, it'll see you through. The word will get you there. That's what he says. The word will get you there. There's all kinds of ways that he says that. And some he says very directly. He says, you stay with that word. It'll get you there. And I believe, saints of God, that for those of you and those that are listening and as many that were listening to this little series, I, I believe that you know, there, are, there are crossroads that you come to and there are circumstances that you face that if you could, you would. You would fix it. You would, you would deal with it. If there's a way to lift that log and carry it yourself, you would. But there comes a time and a place where you know, you know it's impossible with you. But sometimes what we need to do is stop and look around and see what God's placed in our pathway and the resources that God's given to us. And one of those resources is Matthew 6, where Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. One of those resources is Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing. One of those sources is found in our, in our, in our text that we read where David says, hey, have you heard? He says, even when the young men faint, you know what they do? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But you know what you've got to be willing to do when you know that there's a resource there? You've got to be willing to step out and get on that log and let it carry you all the way down through. In other words, there are things that God said and only said about our time. They're not visible. They're not tangible. You can't touch them. But you know by faith that they're real. The promises are real. There's going to come a time when you and I are going to have to step out on it and get on it and trust that it'll bring me right to the camp. 
And the hearing of the word is all about building your faith for that time. And in the season where you're going through this valley of fret and this time of frustration, it's a good thing for you to say, Lord, I've, I've tried everything I know. I've Googled everything I can. And Lord, I'm just going to swing one leg over and put my, park myself on that promise. And I'm going to trust it's going to take me to a place of peace. You're going to get me over this mountain. You're going to get me over this hurdle and come to a place where I can put my feet firmly on the ground. I know you're not going to take all the worry and anxiety out of this world. I know you're not going to take all this pressure out of the world, but you did give us something to do with our personal pressure, and that is to give it to him. Brother Bram said, then it's his problem, not yours. And when you take your broken appliance or your broken lawnmower and you give it to the repairman, you walk out that door, and some way or another you believe he's got what it takes to make that thing run again. I got to believe that my God, the God that we serve, the God we've quoted, the God we've heard about, I got to believe. I'm, I think I'm, I'm convinced enough that, that my God that we serve, I can leave whatever problem I have in this life to him and say, Lord, I'm going to walk out that door and I'm going to trust that you're going to fix this problem. Until it comes to the end of the road for all of us when God says, there's a promise right there. All you need to do is throw that log in it and jump on it's going to take you there. Because as Brother Bram said, there's going to come a time, he says, when the skies will be full of missiles and all the other things will break wide open and there's nowhere you can turn. There ain't nowhere you can turn. The time then, I think all of these experiences in life are training us to get ready for the time when we've got to put our, park ourselves on that log and just say, I'm going to go for it. I can't see that camp. I can't see that place, but I believe it's there. Let's have our musicians just slip up, if you don't mind, to the front here. There are some times that even though it doesn't make sense, there are some times when all you should really do is swing your leg over the bed, the side of the bed in the morning, and just sing, count your blessings one by one. Be thankful to God. And just say, Lord, I can't do a thing about yesterday. Sometimes when, even when all the smart people come together, try to work out a solution, Sometimes those solutions don't help. Sometimes what you've got to do is you've got to trust on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to come and help you right where you are. I look around the room and I see different folks have different struggles and different things. Some you know you've got, some you don't know you've got. Some that live with it so long you kind of think it's my, like a body part permanently attached. I got news for you. I believe that God's trying to bring us back to our original design because he's going to bring us back to his original vision of what this earth really should be. If I never see you again, I trust I will. If I never see you again, believe this. You have to open your mind to the possibility that God's able to deal with whatever you're going through. And it isn't dependent 
It isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on him and your faith in the atonement at Calvary's cross. That's what it's about. again now cast all your cares on him so cast all your cares on him for he cares for you he is our All your cares on him, for he cares for you. He is our peace. There's a fountain open in the house of David who would believe there are streams of grace that's flowing down from Calvary come 
when there are times when like the woman with the blood issue you remember and she's just she doesn't know why she spent all of her living trying to fix this problem and she's going through this and dealing with it all of her for 18 years I think it is in the scripture says and then all of a sudden there's Jesus walking by she's had this problem a long time but all of a sudden Jesus is passing by She's not going to ask for a whole lot of solutions. She's not going to ask for a diagnosis. She's not going to ask for what's his recommendation. She just reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And as soon as he does, based on her faith, as soon as he does, he stops. He says, ho, ho, somebody touched me in a way that nobody else is touching me. And there's that touch of faith. But there are times when the, the, the roots go deep. There's times when it takes 
it takes some time to untie knots and to get things straightened out. And then there's other times when Jesus is passing by, you're better off just reaching out and taking advantage of the moment and reach out and just ask him, Lord, you're here. I know you're here. And I believe he's here today. I really do believe with all my heart his presence is with us today. You don't need to have a whole lot of science. You don't need to have a whole lot of time. Just reach out and touch him as he passes by. And be sincere for a moment here. Be sincere. Lock yourself in with him. Forget about everybody else and what's coming next. Just lock yourself in with him and say, he's passing by. And you reach out. And Lord, I, I, I have a need. And it might be something in the subject we're talking about anxiety. But it could be other things. You might be bound by something. You might have a sickness. You might have a fear. You might have... Whatever the situation is, you might have somebody that you know, but, it, but she took advantage of that moment and just touched him. And he never rebuked her for that. He never, he never corrected her for that. He said, your faith has saved you. He says, go on your way. When you get into a spot, and I believe we're in a spot, and you realize he's present, Lord, I want to reach out and touch you now. I got a need. Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is
it now. Don't be afraid of it. Enter into it. Reach out and touch him as he passes by this morning. It's him you're touching. Not me. It's him you're touching now this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We believe you're a healer this morning, Lord. So I reach my I 
think about who you're going to speak to now. Just take a minute now and think about who you're addressing. You don't want to miss what he has for you. Hold your need. Don't hold it too tight. Be ready to let it go. Be ready to let it go. Just be ready to let it go. Lord Jesus, some supernatural way that we really don't understand as mortal beings but Lord we believe you're here you can be here without a physical body you can be here without any of our senses knowing but there's something on the intrinsic sense that declares your presence is very real now and Lord I'm praying for all of these people and I trust Lord that they're reaching out to you and letting go of the things Lord that have scared them the things Lord that have troubled them the physical conditions, the troubling spirits, maybe the lies they believed about themselves. Lord, may they let it go now. May they just release it, Lord, into your presence and lay it at your feet, Lord, this morning. Let them have the courage to let it go, Lord, and believe that they're forgiven. Lord, they're free and they are they are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever the situation is, Lord, we bind all of it together. It can still not be too overwhelming for you. So, Lord Jesus, we give it to you in faith today, and we trust you. We believe you. Because you're here. You're present among us, Lord. It's like you said you would be. Lord, we come presenting our token today over these prayers, and we, we thank you. Because, Lord, we're supposed to come with thankfulness. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for the fact that you paid the price and you don't require anything of us. You don't charge us. You've simply freed us. You don't bind us with a burden, but, Lord, you untie the burden. You don't ask us, Lord, to be a certain thing. You just want us to be originally what you made us. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, may this people be set free, Lord. And may 
every individual let go of the thing, Lord, they're holding on to today. The thing, Lord, that they thought maybe this would never happen to me. But, Lord, you're a healer today the same as you ever were. And you're the Prince of Peace. And may the Prince of Peace be very real here today to bring deliverance to those who need it. Father, I'm asking you now, not because we are worthy and not because we have earned it, Lord, not in any way, but we're asking because we believe you died on Calvary's cross. And in the stripes you bore, our healing was secured. Our redemption was secured. We believe that with all of our hearts. Now, come, I pray, brood over this place. And Lord, touch each heart, each soul, I pray people we're praying for, people we're reaching out to. Lord Jesus, I think of my wife today, and Father, ask that you would be merciful to her and just help her to be well. Our traveling, Lord, in the mission field, and Lord, people abroad who are listening, and Lord, the people who are right here in your presence today. There's something about it, Lord, we just don't want to leave. We just love it so much. Have your way, Lord, we pray. We thank you for it. We thank you for your deliverance in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him thanks and praise, saints. Be vocal. Let's just give him thanks and praise. Raise your hands to him. Let's just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're not going to scare him away by thanking him. Freedom is